Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show, we preview a pivotal game against the Milwaukee Bucks for your Hornets tonight. And we talk about our feelings about the team. They've won four out of their last five. Can they make the playoffs? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Tuesday. The best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a man that unlocks my muse cage. The man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. You're a loser. You're no good. <laughs> Give it up. You're done. <laughs> so I guess uh, that answers my question. You've seen Kobe Bryant's new storyteller storytelling venture for ESPN titled Muse Cage. Yes, that was uh, what, is, what does he call it? The uh, the bad muse or dark muse? Dark muse. Yeah. Dark so muse. Let's yeah. tell so people about I've this. Seen it, but, but, but but I haven't taken notes. Yeah. Let's. Well, I've taken copious notes because mm-hmm. it, it. I mean, it's one of the most interesting things I've seen in sports in a long time. So basically, yeah. it's it's Kobe Bryant. He's doing this uh, new venture for ESPN where he uh, tells stories with the help of puppets. It's it's got a, uh, a Sesame Street vibe. The the preview yeah. that we we got to see has a little bit of a Mister Rogers vibe, but except it's that it's turn. it's very dark. <laughs> yeah, he talks a lot about the good muse and the bad muse, and the dark muse is basically the thing that uh, tells you you're no good, and you instead of um, denying that, you embrace that, you embrace use that. that. And it makes sense, right, David? Everything that we know about Kobe Bryant, this makes complete and total sense because he talked a lot about how, you know, he used that hater fuel. He drank that haterade and used it as fuel uh, for his for his fire. It's just interesting to see that juxtaposed with uh, this look, uh, the little mamba snake puppet, yeah, Yeah. and cartoons. And he said, "Here's the thing." He said he he's he made it for his kids. This is meant for children. <laughs> How do you feel well, as a dad about that? I was trying to think about that the whole way through. I mean, you, now I think it through everything through the lens, think about everything through the lens of a dad. And I almost woke up my, my, my now four-year-old and, and wanted to just show him. I just want to say here, in case you didn't have any nightmares, uh, let me tell you about the bad muse. And I just, you know, wanted to be like, you're no, <laughs> you're li- it's, it, it, that was the crazy part. I like little Mamba. It was all going really nice. And yeah, so like the good muse is you're doing well, you're good. And that makes you feel good. And then the bad muse is literally, it looked like the sun was collapsing in on itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when mm-hmm. they showed that and little Mamba did not like the bad muse and he was like most people don't like the bad muse but what they realize is that can give you the most power um so some interesting things in there it was 
totally bizarre, totally out of left field. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I've been thinking a little bit about this, Doug. I, I, I have a theory here. Uh-huh. I have, so about, I have a theory as well, but let's hear <laughs> yours. Theories abound around this, I'm sure. So it's been about three weeks and change since Michael Jordan redefined some of our terms that we know about architecture, right? Uh, the ceiling is the roof. No, that, uh-huh. that, that didn't make a, a lot of sense to anyone. Sure. But is it is it implausible to think that Kobe saw that, uh, embraced how little sense it, it made to the average person, and said, <laughs> I'm going to one-up you? And then went straight to whatever movie uh, production studio he has the closest access to and went right to work on this thing. And, and I mean, you have to give him credit, Doug, like the music, the animation, like this was clearly thought out. This is clearly Kobe. He was in there working on this and it's his vision. And I think maybe he just wanted to say, hey, no, I'm, you know, MJ. I, I'm, I'm not stopped gunning for you just yet. I like that, but I think from the moment that he retired, when they asked him, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to go into broadcasting? He said, what did he say? He said, I'm go- I want to do storytelling. And no one knew what that meant at the time. And now, <laughs> now we kind of now we kind of know. But, and, but I want to do the Blair Witch Project for five-year-olds. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing. <clears throat> I think that you know what I've always said about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and these these greatest of all time type players that it's unfair to judge them like we would judge a normal, well-adjusted human being Person. because yeah. to achieve what they have achieved, you you can't be well-adjusted. Um, both both to achieve it and then once you achieve it, how people treat you, it, it's it's almost impossible to be a well-adjusted human being. Um, but I always felt like at a certain level, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Tiger Woods and all of these greatest of all times sort of recognized that, that they had some self-awareness that like, yes, I am this way because I had to be this way to get to where I am. And I, I had to be this way because this is the way you made me. Um, but after watching that now, I think, I don't think he, if he made this for his kids and he made this for kids in general, and he thinks that like embracing the darkness is something that children should hear, then now I think he may believe that what he has inside him is what everyone should have inside them and mm-hmm. that, that that uh, the normal average Joe is only a dark muse away from being on the level of a Kobe Bryant in whatever they're doing. And to me, that signals that I think Kobe Bryant may think he's a prophet. <laughs> or some kind of god. <laughs> like it's just he's, it's amazing. He's a I'm, god. He's not a god. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just watched it and I thought this man this this great wonderful man has yes. no self-awareness anymore. <laughs> like it's all it's all gone. Uh but it's awesome. I loved it. I'm going to watch uh, it. I would never let my children watch it, but I would watch it. Uh I just don't think the kids need to hear Embrace the darkness. They they will figure. Trust me, and you know this as a dad. The like, darkness is coming. They, yeah, they're gonna figure that out. <laughs> they're gonna realize that really soon. But let them, but just embrace it, cherish it, cherish your childhood. Don't worry about the dark muse yet. And I love it, Kobe. Um, this is what a way to co- <laughs> what a way to jump back in to the to the spotlight, right? Oh, I love it. Not All that right. he ever left the spotlight, but yes, thanks, yeah, Kobe. I look forward to more. Yeah. Oh, I'm I told, I'm going to watch every episode. It was it was it reminded me. I don't know if you ever watched Wonder Chosen, 
but that was another. Okay, it came on MTV Two for a while uh, a few years ago. It was a Sesame Street parody, but it was really dark and talked about very adult themes. Uh, so uh, I can, and, and the yeah. thing, the thing, one more thing about this: Muse Cage is essentially a story about the descent into madness. And some of my favorite movies of all time are like if I look at my top ten, I would venture to say at least six of my top ten movies of all time are centrally about a descent into madness. There will be blood is about a guy who's driven mad by greed and ambition. And if you watch that second preview where he talks about Russell Westbrook versus James Harden, who should be the mm-hmm. MVP, he essentially like when we go to the end of that, uh, the little puppet Mamba has become. A, both Russell Westbrook and James Harden. He has James Harden's beard and Russell Westbrook's jersey. He has become a a, um, a hybrid. mixture hybrid of the two. And he's almost driven mad by his – he's like, I'm a beast, I'm a beast, I'm a beast. Yeah, and, that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's about how ambition – and and darkness drives you mad, <laughs> like. But I don't. But again, Kobe watches that and in goes in a good way, though. In a good way, right? Kobe watches that and goes, "Yeah, totally nailed it. Like this is life. This is how you should be." Amazing. I always Thank thought you, I really and and maybe Michael Jordan feels the same way that Kobe does, but he's never expressed it. But I always thought these guys, on some level, went home and when they were quiet and alone, thought, you know, I'm a bit of I'm a bit insane. That's fine. Uh, but that's that's how I have to be, and I don't. I, normal people should not expect any more or less of me, and I don't expect any. I don't expect other people to be like me. Um. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Uh, we are part of the locked. We're going to talk Hornets. I swear. Uh, we are Man. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NFL, NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Uh, I will be on Inside the Lines on ESPN today at 1 o'clock talking Hornets, so check that out. Plus, we're going to, going to do a live show. Did not We're not going to do one tonight. We are going to do one on Thursday night, so check that out. And David Walker may even drop by via telephone, so mm. I'm, I'm super excited about that. <laughs> we're going to be talking a lot because, look, by Thursday, we're going to have a real clear indication of where this things. Charlotte yeah. Hornets team is. Um, but I want to start this show by talking about how we're feeling about the team. And I'm especially curious about how you're feeling about the team right now, David. Uh, the Hornets have won four out of their last five. They are two games out of eighth place right now. Uh, Detroit lost last night to the Knicks, so they are completely falling apart. The Chicago Bulls are a super weird team, and they're without Dwayne Wade. Uh, Miami is hurting right now. Um, uh, Deion Waiters is out. Goran Dragic is playing hurt. Atlanta is Tom Petty. They're free-falling. Two games against Milwaukee, the Hornets have, plus a game against Miami with a chance at a tiebreaker. How are you feeling right now about their playoff chances? Nada says probable. What say you? I know. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like all these teams around them, which we kind of knew going into the season and had to remind ourselves that they're still in the East. So the possibility for everything to fall into place, you know, in a way that everyone is falling apart is still possible. I mean, it's crazy to think, they're two games out. It just I just keep looking at this dog, and they're the exact same place they were when we started this whole wild ride like two weeks ago. I mean, they're still behind the Bulls and the Pistons. Um, there's room to make up. I just the way the season has gone, I just can't see them pulling this off. I mean, I, and that's just you know maybe the pessimist in me, maybe the dark muse is taking over a little too much. But um, <laughs> every time they've loser, had a, you're not good enough. <laughs> 
every time they've had a, a chance, you know, and they've been playing well. I mean, the, if they would have won the Cavs game, I think you feel really good. Um, and the Cavs, hello, that's like the only game they can win lately is against the Hornets. Um, but that would have been a big shot in the arm. Unfortunately, they did not get that win. But but that was kind of one we, we marked off as a loss anyway. I mean, until I see them do it, Doug, I just it, it, it's hard for me to believe they'll be able to overcome that challenge. But it's right there. I mean, the math is not that hard to do. It's 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 two games, and they've got a game with the Heat left. You know, so that's a chance to make up some ground right there. Um, it's yeah, just they got. Hard. They're just getting... knowing how the season is gone, though. Right? It's like yeah. It's like it's been a gut punch the whole way through. I'm just waiting for that last one, which means it'll get out like the last game. Yeah, I mean, they got the help that they needed initially, but they still need some more help. And uh, Cleveland, we said it, they they do not have uh, – they're, they're no longer the number one team in the Eastern Conference. That goes to Boston. They have a half-game lead on the Cavaliers. So if the Hornets were to sneak yep. into that eighth-place spot, they could be playing Boston. They have a game against Boston coming up in a few weeks. So you would even get to test out, you know, could you contend with – with the Celtics team in that first-round series. Okay, Hornets bench got a boost from Briante Weber's energy and defense against Washington, Atlanta, and Orlando. It started that three-game uh, winning streak that now is four games out of five. But the past two games, he's been a no-show at best and out of position at worst. How you feeling about Briante Weber's future uh, with the Charlotte Hornets rotation? I mean, about the same. I think you didn't really, I mean, you, you couldn't predict that or you didn't think that he would just continue on an upward trend, right? Like he would just blow the doors off for the rest of the season. I mean, there's clearly a reason why Clifford, you know, wasn't playing him, doesn't play these guys in general, the, you know, the young guys that don't have a ton of experience with the system and, um, you know, coming up from the D League. So it wasn't all going to be sunshine and rainbows. And he struggled a little bit. Um, this is why this league is so hard, right? But I think the upside has always been the case for him playing, and I think that's still there. It will be interesting. You guys were talking yesterday when Ramon Sessions comes back. What does that decision, if he comes back, what does that decision look like? But like, I'm not ready to go back to Brian Roberts at this time. Um, or but Ramon, any other time. Ramon Sessions is getting. I think he's not. Uh, he was not on the injury list on the game notes. Yeah. So I, well, could, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know his availability, but. Yeah. I think there's a real question about whether you go back to someone who you know can organize this offense. And, you know, I think the next, again, we're, we're, the Hornets are yeah. facing a back-to-back here against Milwaukee and Toronto that's going to decide a lot. Mm, and yeah. and if, if, if they come out of that 0-2 and the playoff light starts to dim and, and become nearly out, then I think you feel more comfortable about developing a play, player like Briante Weber. But if you go 2-0... and then all of a sudden, but if if you go two and zero and Weber puts up two more performances like he has the past two games, are you going back to Brian Roberts? No, Ramon. I'm saying sessions. Yeah, sessions, yeah, yeah. sessions were healthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I think that's a definite possibility. I want to throw one uh, quick one at you, and then we're going to preview this Bucks game coming up tonight. Um, I, I caught a little guff about not talking enough about the stellar play of Cody Zeller. You're going to have to give him a little special attention. So I'm going to rectify that right now. Against the Cavaliers, he had uh, 15 points, 11 rebounds, a lot of those offensive boards on 6 of 6 shooting. Oh, my! Indiana Thunder! It was only the third double-double on perfect shooting with at least six field goals attempted in Hornets history. The other two, P.J. Brown and Anthony Mason. He's averaging 10.7 points and 6.6 rebounds per game right now. 
How do you feel about his continued growth at the center position? Cody? Oh, man, I, I've been pleasantly surprised with him. Is the ceiling the year. roof for Cody? <laughs> yeah, why not? His That's a guy, I don't think he has a dark muse. I don't feel like Zeller has a dark muse. Well, you know, maybe we it's talk like about a that. sneaky dark muse. Yeah, I mean, the Hornets could have used a little more dark muse this year at times, uh, if you look back and think about it. But um, Cody is, you know, I said at the beginning of the season, and I hate to do that. I'm just, you you got to catch me on this. This 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 trend of <laughs> we said I said I'm revisiting all the stuff we've done, but. Um, you know, he's made himself into a starting center, Doug. Like, I think you believe in him a lot more than I did, and I just wanted to see it. But he has really played well. You see how well the Hornets play with him in there. So, I mean, I feel fine with Cody. As far as moving forward, I think his injury slowed down a little bit, obviously. If he'd been healthy for a larger chunk of the season, I think the Hornets would be in a different place. And if they've been healthy, I mean, you can see they're only two games out. We just talked about the playoff situation. I, I think they'd be in the playoffs had they had a little more luck on the health side. If he develops – a jump shot, okay? A little pick-and-pop game that they can mm-hmm. run. Um, not a three-point shot, but just a yeah, mid-range game. Yeah, forget the game. three. I was going to say. Let, no, let, no. He's not going to do that. He's never going to do that. Okay, but if he gets it to 15 points a game and seven, eight rebounds, suddenly he's top 10 center in the league with you know Vucevic, guys like that. And I don't think it's inconceivable. I don't know what the – you know, MKG and Marvin Williams – take a lot of his rebounds. Don't know if that's going to be necessarily the case next season when we see this. I don't know if this starting rotation remains how it is. We've talked a little bit about that. So could you see a boost in his rebounding? I think so. If he develops a jump shot, could you see a boost in his scoring? All of a sudden, yeah. You know, in in the nine games that uh, Frank Kaminsky has started this season, he's averaging 15 points and around six and a half boards. So that's – but he doesn't have the defense. So if you have 15 from Cody – and eight rebounds plus Cody Zeller's defense, suddenly I think you're talking not top five. I think you're talking about top five center in the league. And don't you think that just in the time he's been in the league, right, the league has shifted and it's changed so much around that position that he's almost a prototype for a lot of teams. You know what I mean? Like everyone except the Pelicans, right, who, who you know have Twin Towers and you know the, maybe a handful of other teams that have two big guys down there or whatever um, are still like a, a old school post presence. But I mean, that's not the way it's going, right? I mean, you can certainly construct a team and win and play a brand of basketball with a guy like Cody, who is super athletic, can run, can jump. And if he adds that jump shot, I mean, don't you think it's, it's, it's lining up nicely for him to be that type of player? The, ju- the jump shot. I think that's yeah. the one thing keeping him from becoming a, a factor in a game. Because right now he's he's still sneaking up on teams, and he uh, here's but one thing I will say about his development this season it, is that he has become a legitimate problem for teams in the first quarter. Playing and I was I'm going to mention this again when we talk about this Milwaukee game, but he jumps on teams early, and the offense is centered around getting him the basketball early in a game because he is a sneaky weapon. So it's like, but you can't be a sneaky weapon without a jump shot. I mean, you've got to have that that part of your game installed, and I think that's the next level that we have to see from Cody Zeller moving into next season. All right, the Hornets welcome the Milwaukee Bucks into town tonight. Tip-off set for 7 o'clock p.m. It's the first game against the Bucks since the first game of the season. The teams were a lot different then. 
The Bucks had Jabari Parker and did not have Chris Middleton. Now they have Middleton and do not have Parker healthy. The Hornets had Hibbert and Hawes at the time. Now the Bucks have Spencer Hawes. Uh, David, how you feeling about this game against the Milwaukee Bucks? The absolute biggest game of the season for the Hornets to this point. Yeah, no kidding. Did you see Adi Justice a um, little write up on what Giannis is putting up numbers wise this season so far, and where that ranks just historically in the NBA? I did not. So let me tell you about this friend Please. of the show, Adi Joseph. Um, so Giannis right now twenty three, eight, and five and 52% field goal shooting. There's only eight guys that have done that in the NBA. Oscar Robertson, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird, MJ, Charles Barkley, LeBron, and Kevin Durant. So, I mean, that's pretty heady company. And um, Giannis is doing that right now. And he's also, I'm pretty sure, the youngest guy to do that. He's, what, how old is he now? 22? 17, I think. (laughs) This guy is good. He's really good. Um, so if nothing else, you'll get to see Giannis blooming in front of your eyes. I mean, he, he's incredible. I mean, he's the story of the Bucks this season. Uh, the gist of this, you know, right up by Adi is basically he is not even in the MVP conversation, but with numbers and a performance like that, he certainly in any other season would probably deserve to be. And I think that's all you need to know about what he's done for that team this year, playing that point forward. And it's worked out. I mean, they're uh, they're they're on. I believe they're on a bit of a hot streak right now, Doug. I mean, correct me, keep me honest Yanni, there. Yanni. Yeah, eleven <laughs> eleven and four in March is, is is absolutely their best month of the season. Now they did trip and fall against the Chicago Bulls the other what night. What up with that? What up with that, man? That, that's the type. <sighs> it's of stuff good. I, I think it's good for the Hornets. I, I think um, I think the Bulls are eventually going to run out of steam, run out of gas, and so you want to see. You want to see the pack get interesting, I think, if you're the Hornets. So it's it's not about cheering for one team particularly over another. You just want to get the you just want the story to be muddy, and, and so you can get a chance to get up in there and, and swing around. Because look, the Hornet that's the thing. The Hornets have the head to head matchups coming up, and, and that's that's fortunate. Even though they have the toughest schedule moving forward of any of the teams fighting for these last few playoff spots. You want the head-to-head matchups because, again, if if these were all cupcake games, if they had nine straight games against Orlando, then they would not be prepared for the playoffs. They would not deserve it. They would they it would it would not be right. Um, if they win, if they win enough to get to the playoffs, they will deserve it, and they'll be well uh, conditioned to play a Boston or a Cleveland. Uh, the Bucks are interesting for a few reasons, David. First of all. Just apart from having the Greek freak, who is amazing to watch, they start two rookies in Thon Maker and Malcolm Brogdon. Now, Maker doesn't play a ton of minutes, but he does start. Uh, they are without their second-best player in Jabari Parker. They have Yanni, who is who is positionless, who's really tough to pin down. They refuse to start Greg Monroe. They, they want to keep him on the bench, and, and Greg Monroe has embraced it. And I don't think anyone could have seen him embrace it as much as he has this season with all the, of the discontent that we talked about in the offseason. Uh, he came around, and he's, he's putting up 15-20 for them a night off the bench. Their backup point guard situation is an absolute mess, yet they might be the favorite 
for the fifth seed with Atlanta barfing up their season at this point and having lost seven straight. Milwaukee is, here's all you need to know. Milwaukee is a team of contradictions. They have Chris Middleton, who's healthy now, and Monroe, who are two of their best offensive players by far, and they like to slow it down. Then they have Giannis uh, Delavadova. Oh, you know I'm you know I'm gonna you know I'm gonna drop this Matthew Delavadova. Right. Uh, <laughs> they want to speed things up, and Jabari Parker, when he was healthy, they want to speed things up and hit you when you're not looking. Their defense also presents a little bit of a contradiction between philosophy and actual outcome. I'll let the guys from Locked On Bucks, Eric Name and Frank Madden, take it from here. It's weird. I think you know. Let's start with the defense because because of the way the Bucks play and they play this, you know, the the, the style that, that we talk about a lot. You know that that they help a lot and they you know overload the strong side and and their weakness is of course you know teams that move the ball and and can get three point shots open. You know the good news is uh, the, the the thing the bet that this that this defense makes is that you know they can basically sort of just hustle their way to contest enough threes and. Um, you know, not get totally killed the three point line, and then by playing the style, they'll you know force turnovers, and and that will in turn, I think, a, a lot of the theory of the last few years was that you know Jason Kidd felt like he wanted to play a style like this to to force turnovers and let them get early offense and and get out on the break, and they are now first in the league since the All Star break in opponent turnover percentage, so that's great. They've cut the three the opponent three point rate down a lot, and. They're not just giving up a ton of threes and, and getting lucky by teams missing. They're allowing six fewer threes per game from 29 to 23. But their opponent effective field goal percentage is actually worse. The Bucks are actually giving up. Basically, teams are shooting or when they get shots, <laughs> right? And they're turning it over more, so there are fewer shots. Uh, but when they actually do get shots, they're actually converting more. Thanks to the guys from Locked On Bucks for that clip. So you heard it there, an attacking defense, very aggressive defense, likes to turn you over. How do you see the Hornets attacking that defense? Well, I mean, I think in these type of games against these superstars, um, for me, you know, Doug, you always answer this question. I always give you the same answer. I always come down to Kimba Walker and to another extent, I think Nick Batum um, tonight. You know, uh, they've got to be – They've got to be good. <laughs> They've got to be good. And the Hornets have to shoot well. That's been the key for them to win some of these games. I mean, uh, when the Hornets have been shooting the ball well, it's been easier for them to get some of these wins. And I mean, that's, you know, yeah. I don't, it's can, not a complicated. Can, I mean, the like, questions are, yeah, the questions are, can they move the ball to the weak side without turning the basketball over? Can you take advantage of the traps and the aggressive defense that Milwaukee throws at you? But the second question, the more important question, is what you just hit on. When Marvin Williams is open in the corner, and he will be, uh, when Jeremy Lamb has an open three-point shot, and he will have them, will they knock them down? It was a problem against the Cavaliers when they had several opportunities to either take the lead or or cut a four-point lead down to one. Uh, they've got to knock down those three-point shots late in the game. Also, key to the game for me, get Cody Zeller involved early. This is what I talked about earlier in the show. Do what you've been doing the past few nights. The ball has gone to Zeller early and often. He's been making plays Over the last five games, he's averaging over six and a half points on 79% shooting. If he was hitting his free throws, he'd be averaging close to double figures in the first quarter. He'll have an interesting matchup in Thon Baker, who is uh, thinner, struggles against physical centers, but Zeller's strength is really in his quickness and moving past defenders. And then on the bench side, 
uh, you've got Frank Kaminsky going up against Greg Monroe. That will also be interesting. I expect Frank Kaminsky and Cody Zeller to get a lot of time together to try to counter uh, what Greg Monroe can give this team. And you hope that Cody Zeller can stay on the floor because he's had a little trouble with some uh, foul trouble in these past few games. Um, any matchups that you're looking at, David, that you go, okay, this may be a key matchup to, to getting this victory? You know, I'm interested to see the Brogdon um, kid come in again. I mean, we talked yeah. about him last week, how well he's played this year into the rookie of the year conversation. Um, a veteran guy out of college, that is. He stayed and played at Virginia for, I think it's four years. Um, so I'm interested to see, because, again, the backup Hornets, uh, the backup point guard situation for the Hornets, um, you know, What's that going to look like? So when Yanni Itten out there and when Brogdon is, uh, is is commanding the offense, I want to see you know kind of how the Hornets react to that. Yeah, he's the first uh, Bucks rookie in franchise history to record a triple-double when he had uh, 15, 12, and 11 against Chicago back on December 31st. Also the first rookie to have a triple-double since Alfred Payton of Orlando in the 2014 15th season. I'm interested in watching MKG on uh, Giannis or Middleton. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of switching between MKG and Marvin Williams to try to solve what Giannis and Middleton can give you and shutting Middleton down from the three-point line. But Before the last two games for the Bucks, I believe he was shooting 48% from beyond the arc. Now, he stumbled in his past two games in terms of shooting the basketball, and you hope uh, that that would continue. And finally, my stat of the game, the Milwaukee Bucks. Here's what the game's – I tell you, David, this is what the game is going to come down to. The Milwaukee Bucks are first in points off of turnovers in the Eastern Conference for the month of March at 19.6. The Charlotte Hornets are first in the NBA in opponents' points off of turnovers for the month of March at 11.1. There's the clash. Can, can the Hornets move – can they keep their offense moving – move the basketball without turning the basketball over and giving Milwaukee. You heard um, they score points off of turnovers. They also, uh, you heard uh, the guys from Locked On Bucks talk about it, they turn teams over a lot because they have length. That's what makes this such a good matchup, David, is that you have two teams here, uh, but for, <laughs> you have two teams here with length, but Milwaukee is on another level. I mean, listen to this. Oh, this is yeah. their starting lineup. Brogdon 6'5", Snell, who plays shooting guard, 6'7". Then you have Thon Maker starting at center at 7-1. Uh, Giannis at 6-11 playing uh, small forward, shooting guard, point guard, basically every position. Chris Middleton uh, at 6-8. So this is a lengthy team, a very tall team. Uh, uh, there could be a, a little bit of a risk if Kimball Walker tries to force things inside of getting blocked. So you have to watch for that too, I think. It's, it's, they're going to have to hit jump shots. Yeah, they are. That's the thing. I mean, you look at the Bucks and the easy basketball. Yeah, they're able to generate some of those uh, points off of turnovers. And the Hornets just have not been able to, A, get out on the fast break, right, and get a lot of easy baskets this year. I mean, that helps. That goes a long way when you're trying to win games. So that's, I mean, one of the things that's kept them from doing that this year. And the Bucks are able, like you said, to get those points off the turnovers. So the good thing is the Hornets don't turn it over, right? Like, I mean, you just hit on all that stuff. So um, that, that that's – that's an important thing to, to watch. Very important question here, and this is what we will end on, David. If the Hornets go 0-2 in this back-to-back against Milwaukee and Toronto on Wednesday, uh, that's the knockout punch, right? 
I mean, that's when we when we start. Because look, we tried to pack it in a couple of weeks ago, and we jumped we jumped the gun a little bit. We tried to start talking <laughs> about prospects and top ten draft picks, and we were going to update you on the lottery. Uh, but all that's gone out the window now because the Hornets are playing much much better basketball, and and, the, and they're not paying attention really to uh schedule or records or anything like that they're just taking it one game at a time facing the opponent that's in front of them uh, but david if they go zero and two in this back-to-back that's it right i mean you would think so <laughs> <laughs> i don't I'm know to, i try to get you i know it's just like it doesn't feel like they're rushing it right like you said they're, they're taking kind of one game at a time with an eye on what they have to do but it doesn't feel like they're panicking which is so weird. <laughs> it's it's giving me an oddly calming feeling, and that's why I just I can't I can't quit. I can't quit them anymore. No, and it's a, it's probably a good good thing not to quit them because uh, this team is playing very well right now. If the bench can contribute enough, that's going to be I think that's going to be the big question. Can the bench contribute enough scoring uh, to get them over the hump on a night when the starters don't play well? The starters will have to play well in this game, but on a night that they don't. Can the bench uh, come through? Okay, again, I'm going to be on ESPN's uh, Inside the Lines at 1 o'clock p.m. this afternoon. Take a listen to that. Plus, we're here for a live show on Thursday night at 6 o'clock p.m. uh, on YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. That'll do it for us this morning. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It helps hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. And shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with a recap of tonight's game plus a preview of tomorrow night's game against the Toronto Raptors. For David, I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America, beat the Bucks. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.